The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor Sarah A. Speed in the Sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here's Reverend Speed. Our reading comes to us today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Listen now for a word from God. One Sabbath, while Jesus was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked some heads of grain and rubbed them in their hands and ate them. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, and gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught, and there was a man there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched Jesus to see whether he would cure on the Sabbath so that they might find an accusation against him. Even though he knew what they were thinking, he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at all of them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored. But the Pharisees were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Mm. Have any of you ever seen the movie Footloose? It sounds like this. Amazing. <laughs> I'm convinced there's nothing that Ryan and Patrick can't do. <clears throat> As a senior in high school, my theater pro program performed Footloose the Musical, and I was cast as the preacher's wife, to no one's surprise. <clears throat> yes. Footloose tells the story of a young teenager, Wren McCormick, who moves from big city Chicago to a small Midwestern town, only to find out that that town, led by their pastor, has banned dancing and rock music. Now we as the viewer know that the reason for this ban is because a handful of teenagers got in a car accident years before and lost their lives. 
As a result, the town is terrified of creating opportunities where there might be recklessness or drinking. And the agreed upon solution the session of the church comes up with is to cancel music and dancing altogether. Immediately, you might imagine, our main character, Ren, finds himself in some conflict. So Ren rallies a group of teenagers, and together they challenge the town in a famous church court scene debate. They show the church leaders where there is dancing in scripture. They defend their case, they ask questions, and ultimately, in a great movie victory complete with song and dance, the church agrees. People's perspectives are changed, and the town allows dancing again. Don't you wish all your conflicts would resolve that easily? Or at least that they could end with an 80s prom and a song and dance number? Unfortunately, unlike the movie Footloose, we may not always get the results we want when it comes to conflict. But I do believe that there is some wisdom tucked into this 1984 classic because Footloose reminds us that right and wrong are not always as clear as a line in the sand. Was the church wanting to protect their kids wrong? Of course not. Was the fact that Wren and his friends wanted to dance wrong? Of course not. Right and wrong are tangled together on both sides of this conflict, nuanced, intricate, and emotional. And friends, more often than not, I think that is the reality of conflict. Conflict is complicated. We love to distill conflict down to two sides, a good guy and a bad guy. But most of the time, I think our conflict looks like it did in Footloose. Foot, foot there's good and there's fear and it's all tangled up together. Fortunately for us, I think our scripture has some wisdom for how we navigate complicated conflicts such as these. Today's scripture passage is two back-to-back -back stories about Jesus and the Sabbath. Now, in biblical times, Sabbath practice was emphasized and lifted up more than it is today. The Sabbath reminded the Israelites that they were no longer in Egypt. So in praise and in gratitude for that liberation, the Sabbath was a day of holy resistance. It was a day of no work. You did not labor on the Sabbath. You rested. You drew near to God. You soaked up the holiness of a still day as modeled by God in creation on the seventh day. Sabbath was important and it was protected by the Pharisees. But according to the Gospel of Luke, at least from the Pharisees' perspective, Jesus is seen as breaking the Sabbath law not once, but twice. First, there was the harvesting of grain. Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field on the Sabbath day and are hungry. 
So they pluck grain and they rub it in their hands and they eat it. This plucking of grain would have been considered manual labor and was against the law. So the Pharisees immediately ask, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Can you feel the tension rising? The second incident of breaking Sabbath law happens in the temple. This is the cover image of your bulletin. Jesus is teaching in front of a crowd on the Sabbath when he notices a man with a withered hand. Right there in front of the crowd on the Sabbath day, Jesus heals the man, breaking Sabbath law for a second time. Now, quite clearly in breaking these laws, Jesus finds himself in conflict with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are described as being filled with fury. They do not approve of Jesus' actions. They ask, why are you doing what is not lawful? Managing to both accuse Jesus and position themselves as morally superior to him all at the same time. Unfortunately, their accusation misses the complexity of this conflict altogether. The only thing the Pharisees are focused on in this moment is what is lawful. They're not focused on what is loving or what is just or what is worth breaking the law for. The Pharisees are stuck in a simplified conflict loop that our society knows all too well. As a matter of fact, psychologists have a name for it. It's called high conflict. Have any of you heard of high conflict before? High conflict, as, defend, as defined by journalist Amanda Ripley, is not your simple frustration over the right way to load the dishwasher. It's not the playground disagreement or the tense water cooler conversation at work. High conflict, Ripley says, could be defined as conflict that becomes us versus them in nature. In high conflict, there is an increasing sense of being morally superior to your opponent and feeling baffled or threatened by the other side. In high conflict, we tend to minimize the complexity of our opponent's arguments, turning them into one-dimensional good or bad figures. Friends, our society is saturated with high conflict. It's in our politics, it's in our religion, it's in our relationships, it's in our journalism, and I think it's in today's scripture. I see this high conflict way of thinking in the Pharisees' obsession with doing only what is lawful and right in their eyes. Now, the opposite of high conflict would be healthy conflict. And healthy conflict, as this sermon series has shown, can be transformative. Healthy conflict is what leads to societal progress and personal growth. Healthy conflict is what allowed Wren McCormick to throw a dance at the end of Footloose. As journalist Amanda Ripley said in an on-being interview with Krista Tippett, we need healthy conflict. 
We need turbulent city council meetings, strained date night dinners, protests and strikes, clashes in boardrooms and guidance counselor offices. We need healthy conflict because that's how we grow. So what does healthy conflict look like? Healthy conflict is conflict that opens the door for discussion. Conflict that abandons black and white this or that thinking. It's conflict that realizes that there may be more than one right answer and that honors the idea that our opponent's thinking may be just as complex as our own. But maybe the most important thing of all is that healthy conflict leads with curiosity. Friends, that's what I see Jesus do in our text for today. We don't get a lot of details, so it's possible I'm reading what I want to see. But in both short Sabbath stories that Luke provides, Jesus invites the Pharisees into conversation. Instead of throwing around declarative sentences, Jesus responds to the Pharisees' accusations with questions. Jesus responds with curiosity. Jesus has eye contact with the Pharisees. Jesus leaves space for complexity. The Pharisees lead with accusations, but Jesus leads with questions. He does not say, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. Instead, he says, well, what did David do when David was hungry? And he asks, and is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to destroy it? Jesus sparks the Pharisees' memory of Torah lessons from childhood. He invites them into the complexity of the conflict at hand. He invites them into conversation. Now, there's no way that the gospel writer of Luke could have known that 2,000 years down the road, psychologists would term a phrase called high conflict that would align with the Pharisees' gridlock thinking. But I bet the gospel writer knew that 2,000 years down the road, we'd still be arguing with each other, and we'd need to see how Jesus handled it. So friends, I think the most important thing we can learn from today's scripture passage is that when Jesus finds himself tangled up in conflict, he does not move to a place of us versus them thinking. He does not blame the Pharisees. He does not write them off or assume that they are ignorant. Instead, we see Jesus engage the Pharisees by asking questions and inviting conversation. And that is my prayer for all of us. For I am convinced we cannot move forward as a society unless we begin to approach our conflicts like Jesus did, with curiosity and conversation. Here's what I mean. Peter Coleman is a professor of psychology and education at Columbia University. 
He and his colleagues decided to test out their theories on high conflict versus healthy conflict. So they booked a lab space and gathered people together over hot button issues. Things like abortion, the Middle East, fill in the blank. Everyone was given a news story before entering their conversation room. Some groups were given a news story that presented a conflict with two sides, right or wrong, this or that. The other groups received a news article that presented the same controversy but with much more complexity. For example, that room might say, it's hard to sort Americans into two camps when it comes to abortion rights. In fact, most Americans have very complicated feelings about abortion. The difference in these two different lab settings was significant. To no one's surprise, the folks who were presented with a partisan us-versus-them two-sided argument ended up having high-conflict debate. There was no transformation of opinions. There was no curiosity. Instead, there was increased fear, increased despair, and increased contempt. People left those rooms feeling hopeless. However, the groups that were given a news article that portrayed conflict as nuanced and complicated ended up having good, healthy conflict discussions that were far more productive and emotionally satisfying in nature. And they didn't solve all the world's problems. But I bet like Jesus in the temple, they remembered to ask questions and stay curious and friends that's a step in the right direction if i'm honest i do worry about our country i worry about our ability to really see one another i worry that we've forgotten how to have conversation with people we disagree with I worry that we are too quick to cancel each other, both for saying the wrong thing or for not saying the right thing fast enough. And I am not a saint. I am guilty of all of these actions because we are all swimming in the same high conflict sea. And that's why I think we need Jesus' example in Scripture today. Jesus shows us that there can be shades of right and wrong and they can be tangled up together because conflict is complicated. Jesus shows us that it's not our job to police the lines like the Pharisees or the pastor did in Footloose, but to approach that line with curiosity. For curiosity is the only path that can lead to transformation. So this is my prayer for all of us. The next time we find ourselves full of rage like the Pharisees, may we all take a page from Jesus' book and start asking questions so that one day we won't just ask, is it lawful? But we'll also remember to ask, is it loving? For if we can do that, then I do believe we will see God's promised day. With God's help, 
May it be so. Amen. My dear church, I have just recovered from a bug, so out of love for you all, I'm not going to shake every one of your hands at the back door, but my good colleague Jonah So will be at the back door to greet you, and the rest of our staff will be up at coffee hour, eager to hug you and say hello. One other logistical reminder before we send you off with the blessing is an invitation to come back and see us on Wednesday. Start this Lenten season together. Join us for our Ash Wednesday services at noon and at 6.30 in the Kirkland Chapel. It will be better to begin together. So we hope we see you there. Now as you leave this place, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. May you hope like there is a better tomorrow. May you live like we belong to one another because, friends, we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So in the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go in peace. Go be curious. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.